0: Welcome to this week's message. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Chris Dirksen, the lead pastor here at Southland Church. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mysouthland.com. So we keep going in our series on uh, on, uh, the book of Luke. Uh, I've got a bunch of things up the next couple of weeks, different things I'm doing, uh, different uh, from preaching and stuff. So I'm actually not speaking the next uh, two weeks. Tom and and Chris Pughatch will be, and then I will uh, be back up. But I'm going to, we're working our way through the book of Luke. Uh, Every week we do a chapter. And last week I did chapter 10, but this week I'm going to skip. I'm just going to do chapter 12 because Tom wants to do chapter 11. So it's okay. We can count. Uh, We're doing this on purpose, all right? And I wanted to do chapter 12 because in chapter 12 we have this wonderful Amazing message, and I just pray. I was praying for you guys this morning uh, in my devotions. And the kind of church I want to have is the kind of church where we can just be humans, where we can, we all have struggles, we all have weaknesses, we all have our upside ups and downs. And I'm exactly with you in those things. We're all just human beings here, and all of us sometimes struggle with anxiety and stress and those kinds of things. And and I just my prayer for you is that you're gonna be blessed today. That we are, that together as people, as real people, as vulnerable people, I think that God's going to really encourage us all today. And uh, so I'm going to take this, this section here, verses 22 to, to 34, and, and actually it'll probably take me two times to get through this, this section. There's, Jesus has a lot to say about it. Um, but I think he's going to give you some hope today. So I'm just going to read the chunk first. If nothing else, I just love reading these big chunks of scripture. And let Jesus speak to you directly, even before I mess it up with adding my own human thoughts and stuff. Just let him speak to you through these verses, all right? And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, in a body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, that neither sow nor reap. Yet they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Now listen to this. Of how much more value are you than birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Oh, if only we could just apply some of these things, hey? If then you were not able to do as, as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in a field today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more, church, okay, will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. He knows your needs, and he knows that you need them, right? Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. That's an incredible promise. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail. Where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And let's ask Jesus just to to minister to us today and to touch us and to give us hope and encouragement. Lord Jesus, we come to you as broken, real, uh, frail human beings. Every single one of us here. And sometimes we like to put up a bit of a show that we're something more than broken and more than frail, and even putting up that show causes us all kinds of stress. And I want this to be a church where we just absolutely love each other and we can just be real with each other and real with you and I love this message you preached, Jesus. I'm so thankful for this message you preached, but do not be anxious. What a wonderful message of hope it is for us today. Would you minister to our hearts peace and hope and grace and encouragement in your amazing, precious, wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let's work our way through. Like I said, I'm going to do, do two parts on this, on this section because it's just so good and I think it's so relevant to us as a church and to us as people. Um, but if we start at verse 22, let's uh, work our way slowly through this. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And the word there for anxious is the Greek word, o. And, uh, and it appears uh, 24 times in the New Testament. Interestingly enough, most of those times are in the gospel, 16 times. And the reason is because Jesus talks a lot about not being anxious, and not being fearful, and not worrying. In fact, if you take the different words for anxiety, worry, fear, all that sort of stuff, there's at least 20 times, at least 20 times just in the Gospels, where Jesus says to people, and he says to us, he says, fear not, don't worry, do not be anxious. It's a big theme with him. The interesting thing to me is with the definition of that word there, that's translated here, anxious, it's uh, interesting, the meaning of the word. It means to take thought and be troubled with cares. In other words, to have many troubled thoughts. And isn't that exactly what anxiety is? Anxiety is, is, is like your brain speeds up. You have lots of thoughts. It's the opposite of, you know, when you're at peace, when you're calm, when you're resting, and you have few thoughts in your mind. When you have anxiety, it's like your brain is running at like 5,000 RPM. Isn't it true? And you just have many, many, many thoughts, and the wrong kinds of thoughts. And when you have anxiety and you try to even think a positive thought, you just try to, you try to fight back against that anxiety and you have that one positive thought. And isn't it true that often it just gets drowned with a hundred negative thoughts? It just gets drowned out because when you have anxiety, just like the Greek word there, it's to have many troubled thoughts. Your brain is thinking too much and too quickly and uh, anxious thoughts. And then, of course, there's a feeling that comes with anxiety. I, I never cease to be amazed at how God has made us as human beings. Uh, this combination of, of spiritual, emotional, and physical all coming together. It's, it's absolutely incredible. And so the fact that you can, inside of your brain, you can be thinking thoughts and anxi- anxious thoughts. These many thoughts come and your brain speeds up. And then the fact that those in that invisible realm of your thought life, this is going on. And then it translates into your physical body and you have a feeling that comes with it. Isn't it true? The spiritual and the physical all come together. And so when we feel anxious, it's, it's not a good feeling, is it? It's a terrible feeling. But you get this, like, depending on how severe what you're feeling is, but you get a tightness in the chest, right? And there's a, a, a constricting of your, of your gut and your stomach. It's a it's a horrible feeling. I often uh, tell people, one of the things I am most looking forward to, when I think of things I'm really looking forward to when Jesus comes back, I'm telling you, one of the things that's right near the top is never to feel anxiety again. Is any of you with me on that one? Amen. Like, can you imagine when Jesus comes back, we will never feel anxiety again. It's going to be amazing, okay? But that's what anxiety is. Just like that meta-nau-oh, it's having many troubled thoughts. Your brain is thinking too much and too quickly, and it comes with this uh, feeling. Now, one of the things I want to be very cautious with this weekend, I'm being very careful in this message, especially now in these first uh, few minutes, um, I want to lay a foundation, but I feel like a lot of times preachers preach this passage not carefully, and they don't really think it through. And I think especially preachers who maybe haven't experienced a lot of anxiety in their life, which that is not me, okay? So I've had lots of anxious thoughts, and so it makes me think about this topic maybe a little more than some of them have to. But one of the things I've seen preachers preach this passage and other ones like it is they look at this command, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious. And they say, look, that's a command. And then they, they, they tie, it's like, do not murder or do not lie or do not steal or do not commit adultery. They say, do not be anxious. In other words, if you're anxious or if you're fearful, you are disobeying God. And of course, what that does to people with, with anxiety is it calms them right down. <laughs> it's a blessing. Wow, I feel so good. Um, but you're disobeying God because you're not believing his promises and you have doubt and you have unbelief and all that sort of thing. And I just want to say a couple of things about that to to start off. Is feeling anxiety a sin? If feeling anxiety and stress is a sin, then Jesus sinned in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was so stressed out that he sweat drops of blood. And we know that Jesus never sinned. So if feeling stress and anxiety is a sin... It can't be a sin because Jesus literally was so stressed before the cross that he sweat drops of blood. If feeling anxiety is a sin, then almost all the characters of the Bible, almost all of our heroes spent most of their lives trapped in sin because they all felt lots of anxiety. You read through the Psalms. How often does David express fear and worry and anxiety to God? And I think of Peter and Moses, all of them experienced it. I even think of the Apostle Paul. My brother Stephen and I have been laughing recently. Uh, as we read through the New Testament, it makes us feel really good. And we take notice of every time we see the Apostle Paul talking about feeling fearful. And, uh, and I mean, I'm glad he's in heaven now. He doesn't have to feel it anymore. But it sure makes us feel good now in our lives when we read about it. Let me show you a couple of passages. The Apostle Paul felt anxiety. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 28, he says this, And apart from other things... There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So in his work, he was very busy in his ministry and stuff, and there's this pressure on him that he feels his anxiety. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 3, he says this about the first time when he came to the church at Corinth, and I could show you other passages, but we'll just, I'll just show you these two. And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. So he came to this church and there was persecution and there was stuff going on in the church and he was working with them in fear and trembling. He wasn't working with them in this like, I'm super confident all the time and full of faith. He came to them in fear and trembling. I don't know about you, but I can relate to that. Yes, can you relate to that? I can relate to that. So the first thing I wanna say in this message before we get any further is, feeling anxiety and feeling fear is not a sin. Feelings are feelings. Now, we might sometimes sin out of our feelings, but feeling, a feeling is just a feeling. It's not sin. In fact, if we look at the feelings of anxiety and fear, they're actually created by God. Now, we won't have them when Jesus comes back and we have a resurrected bodies because we won't need to feel fear anymore. But in this broken world, did you know that fear is actually something created by God to keep us safe? Isn't that true? I mean, this thing that we call anxiety... What it is, is it's a chemical. God is hardwired. It's amazing, how, again, how the physical and the spiritual all come together. On the spiritual side of things, we think certain thoughts, we feel anxiety. On the physical, you can look at the brain, and you can see that that feeling of anxiety is, is there's a chemical that gets released in your brain. Well, why did God create your brain to, to, to release that chemical? Well, you actually need it. There's times, you know, you're walking close to a cliff, and you've got four kids running all over. Your brain should go into a heightened sense of alertness, Right? And that heightened sense of alertness, your brain is thinking more. It's on the lookout for danger. That's what anxiety is, and it's on the lookout for danger. And that's actually important because if you took that away, you might just be super relaxed, and all four of your kids might just run right off the edge. Because they don't have that system to the, same, to the same level you do. I mean, if you didn't have fear, if, you, if it was impossible for you and me to feel fear, we would have almost nobody left in this church right now. Because, it's true. Because you would feel joy. You would get up one day, and you would be having a great day. And maybe you'd be on holidays somewhere where there's a cliff again. I don't know why cliffs keep coming up. I have some kind of an <laughs> inner healing issue or something. But, but uh, you would get up and you'd feel great. Oh, it's a beautiful day to You'd feel so joyful. If it was impossible for you to feel fear, there, what would stop you from just running and jumping off that cliff? Oh, what a beautiful day! And <laughs> join the other couple hundred bodies lying at the bottom, right? Um, because you actually need fear. That there's a little bit of fear it keeps you from touching hot things, keeps you from driving overly crazy, at least some of us, right? So uh, you actually need that. The problem is not the fear and anxiety itself. The problem is because of this broken world and our brokenness, we feel anxiety and fear too much and at the wrong times. So what was given by God in this broken world to keep us safe and to make us cautious, I mean, before you make a big decision about your career, or, or about, you know, some other big financial decision, or whatever, your body will feel a certain amount of stress, and that stress forces your mind to be clear and to look at all your options. That's all good stuff. The problem is when you feel anxiety all the time and for the wrong reasons. But it's really important that you understand that anxiety, feelings are feelings, they are not sin. And I want to just give you one uh, other example of that, because anger is another one. Often in our culture, people just think, even feeling angry, I often have people confess, I feel angry, and they're confessing it as if it's a sin. Feeling angry, this is just another example, along with anxiety and fear, feeling negative emotions is not sin. Now, you can sin out of feeling those, what you do with that can be bad, but uh, consider this verse, Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 26 to 27, many people didn't know this was in there. Be angry, Paul says, and do not sin. Now, how you handle your anger can turn into sin. But there's actually a place to be angry. I mean, how many times in the Gospels do we see Jesus being angry, but he didn't sin in his anger? Okay? So be angry and do not sin. My whole point here is feelings are feelings, okay? And I know often as parents, you know, many of us growing up, Our, you know, our parents, your parents might have told you, you, might have said stuff like, you know, stop being upset or stop being grumpy or stop being mad. And that's actually something we need to stop doing to our kids. By the way, did it help you growing up? So your mom told you, stop being mad. Oh, thanks for telling me that. I'm so happy now. Right? (laughs) Yes, we need to train our kids to behave appropriately in their anger. And there's certain things they're not allowed to do in their anger. But to tell a child to stop being sad or to stop being mad just reinforces all this stuff that feelings are bad and feelings are not bad. They are just feelings. And that's really important for us to know. And it's really something that Jesus understood. So what does that mean then when he says, do not be anxious? Well, so first of all, we see here already when he said, do not be anxious, this is not a command. Like, do not murder, or do not steal, or do not lie, or do not lust. This is not a command like that. Anxiety is not a sin like those things are, okay? So when Jesus says, do not be anxious, what is he saying? So it's not a command like that. It's also, a second thing I want you to know is, it's also not a command. Jesus is also not saying, do not be anxious in the sense of, the moment you feel anxious, just push it down. Stop feeling that. Like, again, like what we often do to our kids. Stop feeling that. Stop feeling upset. Stop feeling grumpy. Stop feeling mad. That is also not what this passage is telling us. And we know that because, again, look at the Psalms. In the Psalms, does David take his feelings and push them all down and pretend they're not there? No, absolutely not. David takes his anxiety and his worry and his anxiety anger, and all of these different feelings he's feeling, and he brings them to God. God wants us to bring our feelings to him. So when Jesus says, do not be anxious, it's not in the sense that some of you grew up with parents who said, push that down. Stop feeling that. That is also not the sense in which he's saying this. I'll show you another verse here, 1 Peter 5, 6 to 7. This is a beautiful verse. And Peter says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting. Oh, what a beautiful verse this is. Casting, all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Jesus does not want... So When in Luke 12, when he says, do not be anxious, he's not telling us to hide our anxiety. He wants us to bring our anxiety to him. He cares for you. When you feel angry, when you feel uh, you know, sad, when you feel anxious, he wants you to bring those things to him. And also, he doesn't want us to hide these feelings from each other. I know some people, there's you know, some of this extreme teaching, word of faith, kind of prosperity teaching. People get into that a little bit, some Christians... And uh, and some of those people sometimes have this thing, and I've talked to them, uh, people like this that believe this, and they get into this thing where they'll never admit if they feel something negative. So you ask how they're doing. Oh, I'm doing great because they think you always have to say you're great because you're speaking in faith. How then are we supposed to obey Galatians six verse two, which says, "Bear one another's burdens." If we can't ama- admit what we're feeling, how can we bear one another's burdens? So the point when Jesus says, "Do not be anxious," his point is not now we all hide it from each other. Well, I'm not anxious. I'm not anxious. I'm speaking in faith. I'm not anxious. In inside we're just terribly anxious. He's not saying we should hide it from him. He's not saying we should hide it from each other. We should bear one another's burdens. We see it in the Psalms. We should bring it to him. We should bring it to each other in appropriate ways and pray for each other. So then, what on earth does he mean when he says, "Do not be anxious"? Let me tell you two things I think he means, and this is very good news. I love this command, and it is good news. First thing it means is it is not God's will for you to stay stuck in anxiety. You know, there have been times in my life when I feel anxious about things, and sometimes this little voice will creep in and say, maybe it's God's will for you to feel this way. Like maybe this is part of your burden to bear, is just to feel anxious. And immediately, one of my great encouragements is to go back to verses like this one, where Jesus says, do not be anxious. It is not his will for us to stay stuck in anxiety. Is that not good news? But you know what else is really good news about this passage that I really, really love? Jesus wouldn't tell us to not be anxious unless it was actually possible to not be anxious. And that means when Jesus says, do not be anxious, the second thing that is such good news about this is it means that we know there is a way out. God wouldn't tell us to do something that was impossible for us to do. That's good news. Now, having said that, we have to acknowledge a few things. First of all, the way out of anxiety might be long. What I am not preaching and what Jesus is not giving us here is a magic elixir that the moment you just follow these three steps, boom, 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 you will never feel anxiety again. Guess what? I still feel anxiety, okay? Paul felt it all, you know, The point is, we should be coming out of it, but the thing is, there's no magic elixir where I feel anxiety, if I do these three things, I never feel anxiety again. You know where anxiety comes from? It comes from wrong patterns of thinking. Most of those patterns of thinking are lifelong patterns that started for us when we were children, and they have been years and decades in the making. And so undoing them isn't as quick as, oh, I heard one message on anxiety, and I never felt it again. Absolutely not. There are new patterns of thinking. We have to change from our patterns of thinking to Jesus' patterns of thinking. If we will submit our, the way, our way of thinking and living to Jesus' way of thinking and living, then there is a way where we can come out of anxiety. Now, I want to say one other thing, and this is really important, because I have lots to say in this message. And I thought about cutting this out, but I felt like the Holy Spirit said, no, no, you need to leave that in, because sometimes there's just statements that need to be made. And so I want to just take a moment here, and I want to make a distinction before we go any further into the practical stuff of what Jesus is saying. And I want to make a distinction between different kinds of anxiety. We use the same word anxiety to describe different things, and sometimes it puts people into a lot of guilt and shame and condemnation. So I want to differentiate between two kinds of anxiety. Did you know that there's two kinds of anxiety? There is anxiety that comes from actually physical brokenness, like this isn't a medical term, but in a sense your brain is broken. And then there is anxiety that comes from wrong thinking. This message that Jesus is preaching in the Gospels, and I'm preaching here today, and I'll do another one yet as well, is talking to anxiety that comes from wrong thinking, not anxiety that comes from a broken brain. Let me explain what I mean. I know people, and I know a number of people in this church, and some outside of this church as well, but I know a number of people in this church who are amazingly godly people and have followed God for years. And they have faith, and they believe His Word, and they pray, and they walk with Him, but they have terrible anxiety uh, disorders and depression, things that come from uh, uh, chemical imbalances in the brain. And I know godly people at this church who have walked with God for years, they are godly people and leaders, and they have taken medication for depression or anxiety for, for, in some cases, decades. And sometimes, Christians shame those people. They look at passages like this, and they say, why can't you just get it together? Just believe God's promises. Well, that's all fine and good. If your anxiety is coming from wrong thinking, yes, maybe not helpful the delivery to condemn them, but yes, if your anxiety comes from wrong thinking, there is, as you change your thinking, your anxiety goes away. But if your anxiety is rooted in physical, chemical imbalances in your brain, is that not a different thing? Do we shame people for taking Tylenol for a headache? I hope you don't anyway. Because I take it. (laughs) Do we shame people for going to the doctors when they got diabetes and taking, you know, uh, whatever medication there is that might be for that or because of cancer, because of heart problems? We don't shame people for that. So why would we shame people? Your brain is also a physical organ in your body. And it too, just like any other thing, can also, for various reasons, sometimes genetics or severely traumatic events, maybe that happened in childhood, abuse, various things like that, maybe even drug use at some point, or some you know combination of those factors, people's brains can sometimes be broken. And guess what? It's okay to take medication. Now, having said that, okay, actually let me just say one more thing. So, I just want to make a statement. In this church, we are not going to be a church that shames people for having mental illness. Yeah, that's a, I, think, I think that's something to say amen about. Amen. And we're also not going to be a church that shames people for having to take medication for mental, for mental illnesses and stuff, okay? Amen. So that's really important to me. But, now having said that, everybody can still benefit from this message and this passage. And uh, even people with mental illnesses and who are uh, taking medication or whatever, because you're also going to have some anxiety and stress in your life that comes from wrong thinking. And all the anxiety and stress that comes from wrong thinking, Jesus says, I have got an answer for you. And it's not a quick answer. Nobody in this church has utterly, absolutely conquered all wrong thinking. I certainly haven't. I still have anxiety about things I shouldn't have anxiety about. And I will to the end of my life. But I really want, my goal is, that five years from now, the level of anxiety I have over the wrong things is going to be much lower than it is today. Because I want to submit my thought patterns to Jesus' thought patterns, and we're going to grow together as a church, and trusting in Him and believing in Him. And He says, do not be anxious. And that gives me a lot of hope. Because there's a way out, and God's will for you is not to stay stuck. So let's see some of what Jesus has to say to us here today. He's got so much to say, I don't have time to say it all. But let's go back to verses 22 there, and I want to start to show you now some of what Jesus has to say about coming out of anxiety. Right. So verse 22, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and a body more than clothing. Now I want you to, know, to pay attention to this word, consider. It's going to come up again in just a couple of verses. Consider the ravens. Okay, pay attention. Consider. That's what Jesus says. He says, do not be anxious. Now, he's going to tell us this is how to not be anxious. This is how to walk out of it. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than birds? Okay? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? Oh, just, that is so good. That is just a truth to consider right there. Verse 26, if then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider, there's that word consider again, consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, I underline that word, consider there a couple of times. It comes from the Greek word uh, katnaeo. Okay, katna ao. Katna ao means to consider attentively, to fix one's eyes or mind upon something. Okay, now this is really important. So when Jesus says, "Do not be anxious," he's not giving a little trite command here. The, that hey, uh, do not be anxious. And here's a couple of truths. If you hear them once, you'll never feel anxious again. Absolutely not. The foundation for coming out of anxiety is consider katna The reason you're feeling anxious is you have patterns of thought that have been ingrained probably since your childhood that are maybe decades old, for sure many years old, in many cases if you're not old, that are many years old. And Jesus says, if you're going to come out of that, it's more than just reading this passage once and going, I never felt anxiety again after I read it once. I heard that message once, I never felt anxiety again. No, no, no. He says it's going to take, consider katanaeo, which is you're going to have to focus attention and fix your eyes on mind on something else now. You have been fixing your mind, your eye on things that cause you anxiety. You're going to have to learn to undo that. It's going to take focused attention. It's going to take time. It's going to take some effort. You're going to need the Holy Spirit's help. There's no question about that. But you're going to have to fix your eyes on new things. And if you can fix your eyes on the things that Jesus fixes his eyes on, you won't be anxious. Consider. Katna e, oh, it's a new pattern of thinking. It's not just one time and leave. It reminds me of Romans 12 too. Let's bounce there and then bounce back here. Romans 12 too. Do not, you know, famous passage. Love this passage. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How to be transformed? By having your mind renewed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, in this message... Jesus gives us four or five new patterns of thought to ao to consider, to focus on, to pay attention to. Okay, I don't have time to go through all four or five. So let me just give you a couple, and then I'll give you some practical applications. How can we drive these couple of truths deeper in? Okay? So I just want to look at a couple. Here's one of the first ones. So Jesus says, if you're going to come out of this, you've got to consider ao. You've got to fix your eyes on different thoughts. So here's a couple of different thoughts we need to fix our eyes on. Not just hear them once, but to go out and to practice these thoughts over and over and over again. Okay? So the first one is this. We go back again, and he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life, now here's the first one that we need to fix our eyes on. A new kind of thought that we need to practice thinking. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Okay? So... In this particular message, Jesus is focusing on anxiety that comes from a specific spot, which is anxiety tied to material provision. He's talking about being anxious about having enough. Do I have enough? Am I going to have enough to pay the bills? Do I have nice enough clothes to wear? Am I going to have enough to take care of my family? He, this is, he's, he's speaking to a specific anxiety, which is anxiety tied to material provision. Now, you might be sitting there and you might be going, well... I don't have that anxiety. I don't, I don't worry about having enough. I don't worry about my clothes. I don't worry about those sorts of things. You can just add whatever else you want in there, okay? Uh, some of you here today, a lot of your anxiety is tied to, there's an inner hole inside of you. And I don't know why. There's a thousand reasons why. Maybe you never got affirmation from your dad when you were growing up. I don't know. But there's a hole in you that says, I'm not, I'm not worthy unless I succeed, and you get up every single morning and you can't stop driving yourself. You work and 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 you never rest and you never stop. And the reason is because you are desperately trying to prove yourself to someone, maybe who's not even alive anymore, maybe a dad, or, but you have inner demons and you are working to prove those things wrong. And the only thing you can see, can see to get worth is to be successful. And so you work for that and you are stressed about that. And Jesus would say the same thing to you as he says to people who are worried about provision. He would say, life is more than success. Life is more than food. Life is more than clothing. Life is more than what people think of you. Some of you, your stress comes from caring so much what everybody thinks about you. And you're constantly worried and you need approval. You're desperate for approval. And Jesus would say to you, life is more than what people think of you. Life is more than how you look. Life is more than the shape of your body. Life is more than what you do. It's the same truth over and over and over again. You're focused on this. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. How do I look? How do I look? How do I look? I'm not successful. I'm not successful. He says, as long as you focus your mind on those things, you're going to be anxious. So if you want to not be anxious, it's going to require more than once thinking a different thing. Because you've thought those thoughts thousands and thousands of times in your life. You're going to have to practice new thoughts, and you're going to have to think those thoughts thousands and thousands and thousands of times. And one of the new thoughts is this. Life is not about those things. Life is not about how you look. It's not about how, what, how great shape your body is in. It's not about how successful you are at work. It's not about ba 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 Life is not about those things. It's about something more. And then he says this. This is the next thing. And if you leave those things with me, I'll take care of you. Oh, this is a wonderful truth. (laughs) Consider the ravens. Okay, he doesn't even pick a nice bird. (laughs) And there's lots of nice birds in the Middle East. There's lots of beautiful birds. Lots and lots of birds migrate through there, okay? But he he intentionally picks ravens. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them of how much more value. Just let the Holy Spirit sink this in your heart. How much more value Right? Are you than the birds? If he takes care of those birds, you don't think he's going to take care of you. See, you have another thought pattern that you think, and that's why you're stressed. Is if I don't take care of myself, I'm not going to get taken care of. You might never th- consciously think that, but that's what drives a lot of the stress. If I don't, if I don't get this done myself. If I don't take care of myself, if I don't take care of my family, if I don't take care of this, if I don't figure this out, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be alone. I'm not going to be a success, blah, blah, blah. And Jesus says, actually, there's a new thought for you to think on. That's why you're anxious. It's because you've thought that thought tens of thousands of times. You need to think a new thought thousands of times and tens of thousands of times, and that is this. I care for the birds. Won't I care for you? And if you leave those things with me, I will take care of you, Jesus says to us. If you leave those things with me, I will take care of you. You want to know one of the big things what life is about? This isn't the only thing. This isn't the only way to say it. Certainly not. But you want to know what kind of, you know, life is more than food. So what is life? I'll tell you one of the big things what life is. You want to know what life is? God made you because he loves you. And he made you the way he made you because he loves you. He made your body type, he made your personality type. He made your gifting. He made all of that, and he didn't make any mistakes. So however he made you, be you for him and let him take care of you. That's what God wants from you. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to look like somebody else. Don't try to have what somebody else has. Be you. He made you different. Be you for him and let him take care of you. Now, that's a blessed way to live. And you can feel it even when I say it. But I say it a couple of times and repeat myself a couple of times here in this message. It is not enough to overturn the scripts that you've thought thousands of times in your life. We've got to take these thoughts now and practice thinking them. Consider. Katna Ao. Fix your eyes on new ways of thinking. That's more than just coming in and listening to a message. So I want to finish now this message with real practical now. I... We'll come back next time in in, in several weeks. I'll come back and I'll preach a second part to this message because there's so much Jesus is saying here. But I just want to show you a couple of truths. I just want to leave you now with some very practical advice, things that I've done, others here at this church that we have done, that have been very helpful in a discipline of learning to think new things. These are some truths Jesus has given us. How do we think these things over and over and over again and discipline ourselves to think in a new way so we can obey Jesus' commandment? Do not be anxious. So let me give you several things. The first thing, how do we do this, is we have to learn to identify the negative scripts or lies that are causing us anxiety. We have to actually learn to do this. Now, over the years, my dad, you know, Pastor Ray, has taught us lots about this, inner healing and, you know, the set free and personal ministry and people will come to the church and you'll get help. And sometimes, you know, some of the wrong patterns of thinking you need someone else to help you with to get through. No question. But some of us, that's all we've ever known is to go to someone else. But you know what? You, have, you and I, and that's not just you, it's me, we have so many wrong patterns of thinking. That's why we just continue to have anxiety. We have so many. You take this route out, there's 15 more. We have so many wrong patterns of of thinking. At some point, yes, sometimes for the big ones you're going to need help. But at some point, we need to learn to be mature in the Holy Spirit and hear His voice and be in tune with our inner realities and begin to discern for ourselves, hey, I'm thinking wrong there, and get Holy Spirit truth in there so we can start walking free of anxiety. Amen? And part of that is, the first thing, we actually have to learn how to identify the negative scripts and the lies that are going on inside of us that we're thinking thousands and thousands of times that are driving us to live these stressful, worried lives. Now, the problem is these negative scripts aren't obvious. You wake up in the morning, many people wake up in the morning, and they actually feel anxious from the moment they get out of bed. And that's many of you here too, even some of you that think you don't feel anxious. I know people who say, I don't feel anxious. They're, they, they got all kinds of body problems because they're so tense with stress. They might just call it something different. I'm stressed or whatever it is. There are lots of people who don't wake up with hope and joy when they get up. They wake up with stress. Now, how did you get that? Where is that coming from? For a lot of us, we don't even stop to think, hey, is this, because that's just all we've ever known, and the people we grew up with in our families, that's all they've ever known. So we just think that's the human condition. Jesus said, do not be anxious. Did you know it's not God's will for you to wake up every morning feeling stressed so what are the negative scripts and lies that are driving that? Now, the problem is you don't get up in the morning feeling stress and there's a little red light going, boop, 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 boop. Here's the negative script you're believing. Oh, thank you for that. We'll get rid of that positive script in and away we go with joy. That's, it's just not that easy. Don't you wish it was that easy? I wish it was that easy. But it isn't that easy. And it's compounded by another problem, which is we have lost our ability in this culture to, to look within and to see what's happening Within us, We're so busy. You know, one of the things you'll find over and over and over again when you do any reading on this is that consistently, consistently they find that in third world countries, in most third world countries, people have less stress and less anxiety than we do in our, country in the West, in our countries in the West. And it's true. They experience, le- I mean, they have all kinds of other problems. Things are certainly far from perfect there, but they have less anxiety and less depression and less stress than we have in our first world countries, and people are often shocked at that, and yet it's true, it's stated over and over and over again. I'll tell you something, I'm actually, not stri- I'm actually not shocked at it, and we shouldn't be surprised at it. Let me tell you why. People think, well, we have more stuff, we should be less anxious. Does having more stuff make you less anxious? The more stuff you get, you get less anxious? I mean, for years, I've told this story before, but for, for the first bunch of years of our marriage, most of our married life to this point, we had these hideous red couches in our house, in a living room, and they were horrible. I mean, I think my wife thought of them as hideous. I thought of them more towards maybe awful, but they were just not good. And, uh, but do you know how much sleep we ever lost over those hideous red couches? Zero. Our, our, our oldest three kids kind of grew up through those youngest stages there. They jumped on those couches. They stood on the top. They did all kinds of crazy wrestling moves. Another thing all of our kids do, I don't know, do your kids do this, but whenever they have a runny nose, they wipe them on a couch. Why do you do that? (laughs) The moment there's a runny nose in the couch, (laughs) right? But you know what? Those red couches, it's no biggie, right? You just kind of wipe them down. And then we had this, you know, this great idea. These couches are terrible. Let's get new couches. Did our stress go down or did our stress go up? It went up immediately, it went up. Whoa, 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 what are you doing? Don't stand on, don't do that. Stop wiping your, don't, your hands, have you washed your hands? Don't sit on a couch with unclean hands. Have your pants on when you sit on the couch, please, boss, okay? Like, this, these kinds of things, right? So, your stress doesn't go up. When you have more stuff, and you have nicer, nicer stuff, your stress does not go down. It should not surprise us that we have more anxiety, I, I've told this story before too, but I, one of my favorite conversations I've ever had with someone after a message was a number of years ago here at this church. I had a couple come up to me, and, and the guy said, he said, you know, I, I just got a new wheelbarrow, and my wife, as soon as I got it, she went into the shed, took a hammer, and dinged it a couple of times. <laughs> and he said, what on earth are you doing? That's my wheelbarrow. And she said, now you don't have to worry about it. Right? <laughs> and it's so true. Uh, she actually has some wisdom there. I mean, I don't want you dinging up my new stuff. (laughs) But but the more stuff you have, you don't have less anxiety, you have more anxiety. That's why Jesus says, life is more than your stuff. We have so much stuff, and then you add to that, we have so much busyness, so that even we have to keep all of our stuff clean, and we have to keep it nice, and we have to buy more stuff, and we're busy, 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 and then even when we have some time to relax, we don't know how to rest. We don't know how to have deep conversations where we actually talk about what's going on inside of us. There's a lot of married couples now. They have time together, and all they can do is is watch a movie or a show. Now that's great. My wife and I, when we have, you know, when we have an evening together and stuff, we love to watch a a movie or, or watch a show. If there's something good, that's great. But if all you can do, if you have two hours together, you actually don't know how to ever just, you know, lie in bed and just talk and what's happening in your life? What's happening in your life? What are, you know, what are you feeling? What are you... And you don't know how to talk. We've lost touch with our internal world. We're just completely addicted to screens and media. And all of this makes anxiety go where up. Because we completely lose track of what's happening inside of us. And we've lost our ability to do something that for, for most of human history has been pretty basic to humanity, which is identify what's going on inside of me. What am I feeling and Why? And we actually have to recapture some of that to learn to identify, oh, first of all, to be able to actually have space in my life to identify I'm feeling stressed out and then to be able to ask God questions and to discern why am I feeling stressed out and then to begin to deal with those things and come into truth so that we can fix our eyes on new things and obey Jesus' command, do not be anxious. Now the key to this to be able to identify negative scripts and lies that are causing you anxiety is, you have to have daily, daily time. And when I say daily, of course people miss. I mean regular, like really regular. But we need to have daily time, prayer and journaling. And of course, Bible reading is a huge part of that. But I wanted to focus on the prayer and the journaling here this morning. Bible reading is massive. You don't do that without Bible reading. But what I was partially trying to combat too this kind of Western idea that devotions is, I read my two chapters, cross it off the list, done my devotions. What we need is the Word of God must be part of a quiet time where I actually have time away from all this thinking, thinking, thinking and media distraction, stimulation, constant, 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 where I actually have a time to be quiet and to actually feel what I'm feeling and discern why, with the Holy Spirit's help and with God, why am I feeling this? Really, really important. One of the things... Uh, That is so important with journaling is even to journal your feelings. One of the things I've begun to do regularly the last few years that has been very helpful to me is when I sit down, I I open my journal, I have my Bible there. I just take some time time, and I just quiet myself. I just quiet. And then I'll usually start with some thanks. I did again this morning, a bunch of things I'm thankful for. I'm so thankful, Lord. And then what I do next is I'll just stop and I'll just take notice. Doesn't that take long? Sometimes it takes longer, sometimes it takes less. I just take notice. What am I feeling right now? It's amazing that discipline, how. Being in touch with what's going on on the inside opens up your relationship with God in massive ways. But you just stop and you just take a brief look inside and then you go, what am I feeling? Oh, wait a minute, I'm stressed sometimes, right? You, what? And then you can ask God, well, why, why am I stressed out today? I remember one time doing this in my devotions. I, I woke up and I did a little bit of thanks and I was quieting. And then I just stopped myself. I was going to get into the Word. And I just saw myself, I could feel something in my chest and said, you know what? I'm feeling anxious right now. Why am I feeling anxious? And isn't it amazing how often we just go through our lives, that anxiety is there. We just don't stop to notice it. Then we just take it to work and take it out on people and take it home and take it out on our kids and and in our marriages. I'd rather take it to God, wouldn't you? Cast all your anxieties on him. So I said, why am I feeling anxious? And uh, immediately he gave me a a a couple of things. You're feeling worried about this? You're feeling worried about that? And immediately I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally it. It's amazing how just even identifying it is so helpful. Oh, that's totally what I'm worried about. And then I said, Lord, well, Lord, okay, I've got these wrong, keys. so I'm obviously thinking about, because Jesus says, do not be anxious. I don't have to be anxious about anything. So I'm thinking about these things wrong. So I said, Lord, help me to think about these things right. See, this is what devotions is for. Devotions isn't something to just get through. You'd be amazing how helpful it is when you begin to commune with God about what's happening inside of you. So I said, Lord, like, how am I supposed to think about it? Now, just so you know, you don't always get answers in one devotion. You have your whole life to have a walk with God. He doesn't have to fix all your problems today. So sometimes I ask him questions like this, and I don't get an answer. I just go on with my devotions. I meditate on the word, and I keep asking him over the next few days. And I know at some point he's going to bring it to light. He's going to help. He's going he's to bring this up to the service, and he's going to untie the knots that are inside of me. So in this case, though, he helped me that day. I said, Lord... I'm worried about these couple of things. How am I supposed to think about this? Well, immediately, he brings to mind this picture, Mark chapter 4. I had just been reading in my devotions. Mark chapter 4 is this very famous story. Love that story. I never get tired of it. It's a story of, you know, Jesus tells the disciples, get in the boat and go across the other side of the lake, right? And, of course, when he says it, he knows he's sending them into a storm and uh, he's going to have a little bit of fun with this. So he sends them across the lake and he goes down to the bottom of the boat and falls fast asleep on a cushion, Immediately, so I, tell, so I'm, I'm, so I said to the Lord, okay, what do you, how do you want me to think about these two things? Immediately, I see what I've just you know, been reading my devotions is Jesus lying in the bottom of the boat in a storm. And I just had this idea. Sometimes you just get creative ideas. And it's all about, it's a relationship with Jesus. You don't have to do things the same all the time. I just had this idea. I'm going to imagine myself, okay? That, that's the picture that came to my mind. I'm going to imagine myself, these two things that are worrying me, I'm going to imagine those things as my storm. And Jesus is in the bottom of the boat. And he's fast asleep. And then what I did is I imagined myself uh, going and lying down beside him. Because as I, as I uh, you know, was picturing this picture, I suddenly realized why it was that I was feeling alone in these worries, or I mean that why I, why I was feeling anxious about these worries. And the wrong script I had was, I'm feeling alone. I feel alone. I feel like I can't talk to anybody about these things, and I feel like I have to figure them out on my own. And I'm like, totally, that's why I'm stressed. I feel alone feel like I can't talk to anybody about it, and feel like I have to figure it out on my own. Well, that'll stress anybody out. And by the way, those three things I just told you are negative scripts that are in most of us in just various different circumstances and ways. We are afraid of being alone. We are afraid nobody will help us figure it out. We are afraid we can't talk to anybody about this. So now I have this picture, though, of him in the boat, and I've got this negative script that I've been thinking lots. It's making me anxious, which is I'm alone in this. And I said, well, Lord, I don't know what else to think, but I got this picture of you in the bottom of my boat sleeping, so I'm going to go into the bottom of the boat, and unlike the disciples, I'm not going to freak out. I'm going to lie down beside you. So I just imagined myself in this worry, going down to the bottom of the boat and lying beside Jesus. And the moment I did, I felt like he said to me, good boy, good boy. And uh, I like when he says something like that to me. And immediately, I suddenly had this realization. It just sunk into my heart. It's not just a head truth. You need it in your heart. And suddenly, I had this truth just... just it just became so real to me, and I, f- and I could feel it. It's not even like he said it to me as much as I could just feel it, is I am not alone in these, and I don't have to figure them out. He's going to work them out. And suddenly I had this wrong script that was causing me stress. Thankfully, I took time that day to notice that I was feeling stress and then to look at it. Now I had a new pattern of thought, which is I'm not alone, and he's going to work it out. Now, of course, thinking that thought once, isn't enough. The next day I got up, I felt stressed again. But now I had something to hold on to. I had this picture. And over the next few weeks, every time I felt worried about these things, I just pictured myself, oh yeah, in, these, in this storm, I am just lying down beside Jesus. And I would just lie down beside him and intentionally let go and not freak out. And you know, it's amazing. Over time, you just practice those thoughts. Eventually, you're not worried about them anymore. And you know what the really cool thing is? In the end, he worked it all out. I didn't have to do a single thing. And he did take care of me. Because if he has put you in a boat and said, get to the other side, he will get you to the other side. So why not lie down and relax and enjoy the ride? Why not lie down and relax and enjoy the ride? That's where the disciples got it wrong. They were freaking out when they could have laid down and have a nap too. So let the Holy Spirit, this brings up something else. Let the Holy Spirit, in God's word, replace your negative scripts with truth. But you're going to need to have a discipline of getting along with Jesus. And letting him, and letting God's word, and we could talk about memorization, and we'll do that next time, but getting God's word and God's truth into those places, we're gonna have to spend time with him. So, I wanna finish with one last thing. Bec- sorry. Because I know, lots of you, you, hear this and you go, oh, I would love to do that. But nobody's ever shown you how. Like, you've never, you've never seen this done. So you kinda hear us talk about it in a message, but there's a whole bunch of us here. How do I actually go home and have a discipline like this where God speaks to me like that? And you, you might be feeling that. You might have a desire to have a walk with God like that. You might have a desire to be able to identify scripts like that and see God speak to them, but you don't know how, okay? So I'm gonna suggest something to you, and I might actually get in trouble for this. I keep looking for Stefan, He hasn't been in a service yet. And I tried to run this by him first yesterday. I phoned him a bunch of times. Couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, obviously, he was busy. It's, again, more proof that just having a cell phone doesn't make you more reachable, but that's a whole other conversation. But anyway, um, so, so I'm gonna do something now, and he might get me in trouble, but it's okay because I'm his boss. So I'm gonna do it anyway. But he wrote... <laughs> He wrote an amazing thing in December. He wrote an incredible. It's called a Path to Freedom Journal. It's really incredible. It's really amazingly well done, and it's a journal. It takes you through your devotions for twelve weeks. I'm I'm right in the middle of doing it now with some other staff. It's really incredible, and it helps you with all this stuff I'm talking about with journaling, with meditating on scripture with identifying negative scripts that are going on inside of you, bringing those things to Jesus and having him speak truth into it. It's really amazing. Okay, now he might be upset. I know there might be still some typos in there. I'm not sure when he was all planning to release it, but ta-da, we're gonna do it this week, okay? So <laughs> if you're interested in it, the Path to Freedom Journal, you should probably do it in groups. It'd be great to do it in a cell, whatever it is. If, by the way, if you're in a seven pillars group or something like that where you're already doing homework, don't bother with this right now, okay? But if, if this really interests you, I'm gonna make sure, I haven't even talked to our tech guys about this, but we will have this online. We will not crash the site for the Path to Freedom Journal, okay? We will, but we'll make it available, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll have it available for you. And if that's interesting to you, it will help you do some of the things I'm telling you that are happening in my life. All right? So why don't you bow your heads down and close your eyes, and let's ask Jesus. I just want him to speak to each one of us. What is one thing he wants each one of us to take home with us today? What's one thing from this message? I said lots of stuff, but we just want one thing. Lord Jesus, each one of us here, we need to hear from you. I pray that you would give each one of us one thing from this message you want us to take home. One thing you want us to remember or one thing you want us to do. Let's just listen for a moment and let Jesus speak whatever that one thing might be that he wants you to do from this message. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that your will is not for us to be stuck in anxiety. I want to pray. I have a feeling like there's some people here in this sanctuary here this morning. They really struggle with anxiety, and they've struggled with for years. Pray that you would give them hope. They are not alone. You are with them. You will bear them up, and you will get them through this storm. For all the rest of us, Lord, we all experience anxiety and stress and some of these things at some level. Oh, Jesus, I pray that you would draw us into yourself, that you would teach us to walk with you. Help us by the power of your Holy Spirit. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Selfland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.